just melting off, but it's coming right. off evenly. I'm feeling stronger. I'm feeling um, yeah. more confident and I'm enjoying it. So it doesn't matter that the weight may not come off immediately. It's, it's, you know, everything's working. Right. Right. And I, I figured, you know, and he, he, you know, has been advertising that it's a free six week program. And I'm like, why not? And he's doing it for, yes, free for six weeks, you know, to, to, to spread the word of mouth and all of that. So, you know, I'll, I'll give it its due course and, and see what happens. And, and he's hoping that these people stay and sign yeah. up for other things. So, you know, or spread the word in town. That's <laughs> so cool. You uh, got to yeah. let me know how that works. Yes, I will. I will. I love that idea. <laughs> so, and it's a social thing too. You get out and you meet other people who are interested right. in the same thing too. And you know, right. that, that community involvement and the accountability of, you know, hey, how come you didn't show up last week? Right. And you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And hey, Anita. Anita's always there right on, right as we go live. I love that. Yes. <laughs> well, I guess we should, you know, get down to it. Welcome, everybody. Another episode of Spilling Ink. We are the talk show that takes you behind the book to meet authors and professionals in the publishing industry. And as promised, we have a new author to introduce you to this week. Melissa, you've got a new a, a debut book. I do. Awesome. This is, this is awesome. We want to hear all about you. We want to hear all about your book. Anything you want to tell us? All right. Um, so debut novel um i've wanted to be a writer my whole life was like scribbling in the margins of all of my notebooks in school which i wasn't like the greatest student but it did make me a good writer because i was practicing all the time um and uh the book that i that's coming out the last traveler i actually started when i was 16 and kind of lost track of then picked back up as an adult finished and here we are um I don't write full time yet. That's like the goal. But currently I work um, actually in education publishing. I work for uh, Houghton Mifflin, um, okay. which is has published probably every textbook ever. Um, <laughs> but they like work more in education tech now as all, all of those companies do. So I work in product marketing for them um, <clears throat> to tiny little children that are running around at home. Uh, a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Job in and of itself. And I'm graduating uh, with my master's in December. So, so wow. arguably maybe too much going on, but. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like me in my younger years, although I didn't go for a master's. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of one of those things where I was like on the fence about getting my, I had finished my book. I was like, do I want to do publishing? I don't know. I was submitting it and not getting anywhere and feeling very discouraged. So I was like, I'm going to start my master's. And then the book, I, I got an offer from this, you know, boutique indie pu publisher and we're kind of picking it up from there. So it's all happening at the same time, grad school, publishing a book being a mom and having a job and it's yeah <laughs> that's like the epitome of the phrase when it rains it pours like everything yeah. is just it's happening yes it was all like it's all very exciting things happening but it's still a lot of things so yeah yeah I can imagine so tell us what what the book is and without spoilers obviously right um, what we can expect 
Cool. So The Last Traveler is about a um, 16-year-old girl named Pax who uh, lives in a very wealthy suburb and kind of grew up on the outside of things. She's not very popular. She's very weird. She makes art out of trash. Um, And then when she turns 16, she begins having these very uh, kind of violent or dreams that end very violently hmm. all throughout the like in math class in the car uh, where she is like wakes up screaming. Um, so people are like taunting her and this is her life. Uh, but then one night at a party, she falls asleep <clears throat> and she disappears completely and gets sucked into this world from her dreams and uh, encounters a rebel group of people who are fighting against their very controlling government in this world and her dreams. And they kind of offer her this spot to help make a difference and uh, think that they can, I think I might've skipped a very important detail and that her mother went missing when she was four. Did I say that? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You can see that I'm not very well practiced with giving this plot yet, but we're we're working on it. Um, So her mother went missing and they think that she might be there in this world. So she has to decide if she's going to join this rebel group or if she's going to go back to her life on Earth. And that's the story. Oh, neat. Who doesn't want to escape into a dream world, even if it is in turmoil? (laughs) (laughs) If it's not my problem, somebody else's problem. That feels a lot easier. Totally. Totally. That sounds super, super cool. I love the concept. Yeah, I was... uh, You know, I like dealing with uh, these kind of sci-fi meets fantasy elements where it could be a superpower, it could be a genetic ability, but we're like exploring things that, um, you know, are just not common in the real world. It's a lot of fun. You know, those stories are fun to tell. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> we're on the same wave yes we are <laughs> it's saturday night why not <laughs> oh, so inspiration often comes from from reality mm-hmm. did you take any bits and pieces of your life to help kind of spark the the story or spark some um, events in the story very minuscule bits and pieces of her of the actual story are from my life. Um, I think whenever I was 16 and writing this story, the main character was probably a self insert. But then like revisiting it as an adult, she's not anymore. She's kind of her own person and character. Um, And I would say a lot of the um, underlying plot devices were inspired by things that I was processing in life whenever I wrote it. So I, I picked mm. it back up in 2021 and like the world was on fire. And at the time, so I'm, I'm a uh, former classroom teacher at the time I was teaching middle school, seventh graders and watching seventh graders process, like all of the conflicts, political environment, all of these things, uh, you know, they, they feel helpless. They feel like, what do I do? There are people making decisions for me that are not good decisions for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't have power in that. Uh, and so I wanted to write a story that would make, uh, essentially, like I wrote a story for high school me, but also for the students that I was teaching that would maybe make them feel less alone uh, by mm-hmm. exploring those concepts in a different world. Okay, um, good. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Again, super cool concept too. I just, I love the idea of it. So let's step back a little bit. Cause I think as you were giving us your introduction, you said you tried to go the traditional route Yes. and mixed results there. Yeah. How, how long did you try that way before you kind of decided, you know what, I'm going to go the indie route. I think indie is for me. Um, probably about, I think it was like almost seven months. Uh, mm -hmm. but I was like, putting out tons of, I was soliciting like every agent you could possibly imagine. I was going to say, did you, yeah. did you grab an agent or, or was yeah, the agent working for you? Uh, and like have this insane running list. And, uh, mm -hmm. but as I was doing that, I was also like trying to educate myself on the publishing world and was mm -hmm. on TikTok at the time and like learning about all of these different avenues that you can utilize for publishing outside of traditional publishing. And I realized um, I, I'm kind of just by nature anti-establishment. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and so I was realizing like, oh, do I actually want like to give up control <laughs> no. and, and it's kind of against what I stand for to like sign over something that's so incredibly important to me to a massive corporation that sees me as like numbers in a budget you know mm -hmm. uh so that's when I kind of switched course and I I'm like with a uh it's an indie publisher yeah um so but it's, it's, it's still, there's publisher, still like yeah works, but uh, it's very much still in the indie route as well. Um, and it's been, oh. I've been incredibly happy with my experience so far. Yeah. I've noticed the trend has been more towards hybrid publishing lately mm -hmm. in the last, I want to say like five years, people are wanting to take more control of their books and yeah. they're, they're less inclined to go after, you know, the big five or big four. I don't remember how many there are now. Um, I think the yeah, I think it's still five because yeah, that, that actually just happened this week, didn't it? Yes. Yep, they said no. <laughs> yeah, again, it, it keeps consolidating mm -hmm. down. So it's like you it's know still a monopoly, even though there's yes. only, there's five of them. Like, exactly, exactly. Have clearly too much power. <laughs> but the reality is it you're right, it is signing over your work. And you know, yeah. just hoping that they will do right by it and that right. even when they do publish it that they will do some of the marketing for you because a lot of being an indie author is just saying, you know, I'm going to do it myself so that I can, yeah. you know, reap right. the rewards of it and yeah. putting on all the hats. And you, when you sign your book over to a publisher, you expect them to do a lot of this stuff. And the reality is often they don't, they don't. You still have to do a lot of the marketing unless you're a big name and you don't have and control over them covers and things that you know yeah. there's a lot of stuff you lose that yeah. control over and you lose the ability to have a say in mm -hmm. for as long as the contract is valid however many yeah. years you're signing it over to them for absolutely and i think that was like a huge motivator for me was learning like oh i don't get to decide I, for one you don't have the rights over your own story like somebody mm -hmm. else has that yes decide your book covers like your editor gets a lot more say in the direction and trajectory of your story yep. maybe they should uh with that and that just didn't sit well with me because this i, I mean with every writer like your story is your baby and so mm -hmm. you don't want someone taking your baby and turning it into something <laughs> that you didn't intend for so right 
and it's not a knock on on publishing you know that they yeah. do those things there, there's a reason that they do what they do but for those of us who like a little more control and like mm -hmm. to have a, a little bit more of a hand in raising our baby <laughs> mm -hmm. indie publishing provides that and the the hybrid model of of either going with an indie publisher who will have more of a, a dialogue with you and be able to work closer hand in hand with you or doing it 100% yourself is something a lot of people are leaning towards these days. Definitely. I, th I think it and social media, I think, has a huge hand in that because mm -hmm. there's a lot more authors who actually have a voice on social media. And yeah. so you're hearing the real stories, you're hearing, you know, not just, you know, like whenever I was in high school, I thought that being an author was like, cool, you get published and then you're famous. And then yeah. you're movie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So like, you know, as a kid, you, I'm thinking, you know, that's, that's how it is. You're famous. And they're like flying you out to all these places to be on Good Morning America or whatever. Okay, okay, I got a story for you. This actually happened this week too, and and this just is another testament to how blunt my youngest daughter is. Mm -hmm. So we were we were doing the Myler walk before school, and she was like, "Oh, I, I told my friends in my class that my mom's an author," and they're like, "Oh, is your mom famous?" <laughs> Point blank, completely deadpan. So he's like, "No," I said, "She's an author." Didn't say famous. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> like, thanks. thanks appreciate that <laughs> you know it's wild because like that's still for a lot of people that is the mentality like oh you're published you're gonna be famous like oh i don't i don't think that you know <laughs> i will live on in perpetuity on amazon but that does not make me famous because i'm in perpetuity with millions of others <laughs> Just like you walking in the street. Yeah. <laughs> I'm famous it is, in my own way, damn it. <laughs> it is it is fun to to meet a fan though, because well, they yeah. see you as something more, you know, in, until you sit down and have dinner with them and you know, are just shooting the shit with them. <laughs> That's when they realize, oh, they're just like me. Oh, you're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. You know, the awe goes away. Right. <laughs> but it's it, it's it's humbling to have that. And I've had people go, can I take a picture with you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, Why would you want this ugly face? <laughs> but, okay. And then they post on their social media and everyone's yes. like, yeah. very excited and everyone's like, who is that? Like, exactly. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had any fan. Like, my book's not out, so I don't have any fan encounters. But, you know, I, I did a book festival recently mm -hmm. um, here in Louisiana. And <clears throat> a mom was going around, like, collecting, um, like, our, our autographs for her kid. And I was like, I mean, I'll sign it. But <laughs> yeah. Is, you're gonna hand them this little bookmark, and they're gonna be like, "Who's that?" You know, <laughs> nobody can read my signature. So it's like this, like line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I still sign the books. <laughs> yeah, of course. But yeah, it, it's 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 humbling because you don't 
it, 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 some people call it the imposter syndrome that people have said, but, yeah. but really we're just creative people. It doesn't make us on a higher tier. Definitely. So, <laughs> those that feel like they're on a higher tier have other issues. Right. <laughs> although, although it is harder, I think today to be an author because of social media and mm -hmm. all of its forms mm -hmm. than it was in maybe previous incarnations. Cause we have to have a presence. We, we can't yes. ignore social media. We have <clears throat> to be out there, you know, pounding the digital payment pavement to get our, our books out there. Mm -hmm. So, and it, it is so incredibly, you know, I think like marketing has shifted so much because of social media, but, and, and the most popular social media for authors to be on right now is TikTok. If you're on TikTok, mm -hmm. like that's, you're, you're, you're running the gamble every time, hoping that you'll get like a famous, your video will go viral. Mm -hmm. So people will like purchase your books. Mm -hmm. um, but with that is like this obsessive thing where you have to, you're mm -hmm. on TikTok all the time, you're posting every day and you are inundated with other people's opinions of you. Yeah. It is, it, it, I love it. Um, I've been on TikTok for almost a full year now since I, mm -hmm. since I got my, uh, started my publishing, <clears throat> basically I wanted to document it. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's great to help build community, but it is also like, it can be incredibly soul sucking. And that's the part, that, that's mm -hmm. the part that people don't tell you is like, it, I don't know that anyone, our brains were not intended to absorb this many opinions about ourselves mm -hmm. or like, you know, be connected to this many people at one time. I do mm -hmm. not know what effects it's going to have on me long-term. We'll see, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Not only the time sink that it is, but the the emotional toll of what are people going to say? Oh, and they'll oh. say it because you oh. know they're behind a computer and they don't care, so they right. will say whatever. <laughs> I I the time suck of creating a TikTok video. I haven't done it. I, I've done the quick things. I've done a couple things, and I was trying it out, and I'm like, no, and. Frankly, I really don't care what people think of me at this point. <laughs> I'm like I'm, you. I love that. I'm getting. I've gotten to the age where I'm like a honey badger. <laughs> okay, you all. Heidi, Katie knows what I'm talking about, but yes, yeah, so it's just like, yeah, you know, if you like me, great. If you don't, move yeah. on. <laughs> Find something you like. More power to you. But it's just like, I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, yeah. I, I aspire to get there. I'm not quite there yet. I, mm. I don't really, you know, they say don't read yeah. your reviews. You haven't hit, new hit the coveted 55. No, no, I'm not hit that yet. <laughs> the 55 and you don't care anymore. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just me. <laughs> no, I, I think it's right because the, the older we get, I think the less... Bullshit care we have for the bullshit <laughs> yes. I mean, we do care about things but the bullshit's just like i don't have time for that mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i found <laughs> even going on like on the author journey i remember you know fresh faced brand new author in mm -hmm. 2009 and mm -hmm. i was obsessive about my reviews good mm -hmm. bad no matter what i was like oh my god what are they saying and i cared so much then and not that i don't care about reviews now but i it, 
it's been maybe six months since I've checked on my reviews just to see if I have any extras, any ones that mm -hmm. I might want to highlight or <clears throat> any one stars that I want to laugh at. Cause some of those one stars are hilarious. I'm pretty funny. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, got, I got other product stuff on one. <laughs> You're mature for your age. Good for you. Good job, Rebecca. That's awesome. I'm, mm. I hope to get there. Mm. I, you know, like my book hasn't come out yet. So I think I lose sleep over reviews and like what people are going to think of it. But, you know. So a friend of mine has the best way to deal with reviews. And she says... Whenever you get a bad review, one, if you, you, you know, don't read it, but if you have to read it, fine, read it. But then immediately go find your favorite book by your favorite author and go read their one star reviews mm -hmm. because okay. guaranteed there's going to be some because everybody's got an opinion. Right. Yes. And that will help That's mitigate the damage of you reading that one star mm -hmm. for yourself. I'll have to keep that in mind once the reviews start coming in. Yes. Because... Yes. The, the glowing ones will, will lift you up. Yep. Um, and, and the one stars in the beginning will feel like somebody took an arrow to your heart, That's but, yeah. <laughs> but, but you just pull it out and move on. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Like, yeah, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, that is somebody's opinion. Yeah. It wasn't for them. And, and, you know, no, no matter how snarky and whatever it's, it's, yeah, see, everybody agrees. Once you get to this age, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> yep, we went back to like early 2000s YouTube. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but it's, it's, um, I have no idea where I was going. You just, that honey badger thing just came but yeah, the, I mean, you just have to let it roll off your shoulders. Yeah. And and if there's anything constructive in it, take a look at it. And if it doesn't feel right, ignore it. Mm -hmm. If it's like, oh, yeah, maybe I missed that. Then you have a chance to tweak it. Right. Yeah, because not all criticism, <clears throat> even yeah. in, when it's given to you constructively, is going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. I, I have a, a teenage series where the, they were complaining that they acted too much like a teenager. I'm like, well, they're teenagers. Oh, huh? They're supposed to do. They're not mature <laughs> adults. They're kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's a good one. What gets me is ratings. No review. The rating. One star. No explanation. And I just oh, think that that's just the hater. Haters gonna hate at that point. They if they, yeah. they have like, an opinion, okay. they're going to state it. Otherwise, it's so easy to click a button. Right. Exactly. And it's like, okay, well, they didn't like it. Yeah. Such is life. But again, you gotta, you got to get to the point where you don't pay as much attention to them. They don't right. affect you in a, a, a very negative way because yes. that, that can really, you know, can make you decide to take up scorpion petting talk about yeah. that before yeah. <laughs> we yeah. don't want that <laughs> no, we don't want that you know and, and and as writers we really do have to have thick skin yeah you know i i love the friends of mine that are writers but some of them are needy very needy that i've seen and and you know they're like you know don't come to me to say you know you would have done it this way or that way it's like why not <laughs> 
You know, yeah. I, I, I'm like, well, maybe that's because I'm so. You got to know who you're talking to, because with you, I would expect you to come back and say this needs to be fixed. That needs yeah. to be fixed because yeah. you're good with the analytical side of things. And if yeah. I'm having you read something, I know I'm going to get that honest analytical opinion from you that right. I need. Right. Exactly. Same with Rebecca. She's one of my beta readers and she catches me on things. She caught me on the, the last beta read and I was like, oh yeah, I did do that in the last book. Oh shit, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a big thing. Oh. So I was like, okay, I have to change that. <laughs> this is because, why we have the beta readers. Yes, exactly. To tell, <laughs> tell you when you, when you've, you know, completely gone right hook on your rules of your world <laughs> so you know, yeah, but, Rebecca's awesome oh my god yes. she catches things in quick too yes yes oh, she's very very quick um you know you're you're always doing your your thing now you can't beta read <laughs> i know i know <laughs> but that's all right <laughs> you're ghostwriting so she only gently laughs at you. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. It's okay to fall off your chair laughing at me. <laughs> I'm good with that. Even even if you're laughing at me, not with me. <laughs> as long but, as you're laughing. That that's a good beta reader though. You've you've got yes. a good, you know, relationship. There's trust. Mm -hmm. You understand, mm -hmm. you know, that they've got certain strengths that that are going to help your story. <clears throat> You yeah. develop that. You know that the criticism that you're going to get is going to be constructive. Mm -hmm. Exactly. In the beginning, it's it's hard to tell what or what criticism is really constructive and what is mm -hmm. just criticism because right. some people had, are just giving an opinion. Right. And I had some hard, 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 uh, you know, writers criticizing my work before I even become became you know real serious and published. And oh, they they tore me to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> and and I love them for it. They get you know you know I'd go and I I I'd cry. <laughs> Me yes I cry. Um and then I'd be like well wait a minute step back and this is where the analytical mind comes in. Step back. What are they trying to tell me? Mm -hmm. And I learned. And that's the whole purpose of somebody who's giving you criticism with the right heart yeah. in it you know still hard so. to take in the beginning though oh yeah it's so hard <laughs> it sucks but you, like you said you got to develop that thick skin mm -hmm. melissa how how was your experience getting through that beta phase um i think it's it kind of ebbs and flows like there's the initial, I'm extremely nervous that someone is reading this story that I, in the beginning, wrote for myself. And then, you know, the, the criticism, or criticism, some of it's criticism, but the, yeah. the feedback would come back. And uh, I would, like, sometimes I would get really angry because I felt like I was, like, someone was misunderstanding me. You know, mm -hmm. whenever I would get feedback that I didn't agree with, or I would get incredibly confused because conflicting feedback is very much a thing. Whenever oh, yes. multiple <clears throat> editors, multiple beta readers, whatever. Uh, so that was something I was not prepared for, actually, was like, what's the right direction then? I'm so new to this. Is this actually something I need to be taking seriously? Or is this just this person's <clears throat> opinion? And a mm -hmm. lot of times, 
it's so open to interpretation. Still. Right. Right. Some hard unless, like, yeah. You know. Unless you're actually on the phone with them and and yeah. talking it out, you know. Um, sometimes things coming over emails and and texts and all of that can can be misunderstood. Um, yeah. You know, I had an author who used to call me when he'd get my edits and we'd talk through them. You know, he called me from Texas. <laughs> With this lovely Texas accent, <laughs> and go through them, and and you know there were things we didn't see eye to eye on, but we talked through it. And yeah. some he relented, some I relented. You know, Definitely. that's that's the whole editor writer, in you know, relationship you're doing together. You know, yes. giving and taking, and you let them lead and get and give you that feedback, and then you take mm -hmm. what works and throw out what doesn't work. But exactly, but that was like a uh, very unexpected part of the process for me. Was I? I think whenever I was going into it and thinking of like editors and beta readers, I was like, oh, they're gonna give me the answers. Like if there's a problem, they're just gonna give me the answer, and I'll I'll fix it, and then that'll be the thing. But like they're they don't have the answers. They're just reading and interpreting your book and you have to still be the ultimate decider there. And mm -hmm. so that was, that was quite a journey for me. And I think that, you know, still being new and like, obviously planning to have subsequent books, I will still be learning how to do that and take mm -hmm. what works and leave what doesn't. But uh, yeah, it's definitely been interesting. Um, in so what's, what's been the scariest thing you've, had to get over in this whole writing journey? <laughs> um, really like other, I'm still it, in it now, is like the fear of other people reading my book. Like, the, you yeah. know, <laughs> you get into it and you're like so excited that it's been getting published and then it hits you halfway through like, oh shit, people are actually going to read this. Like, <laughs> that that's so terrifying for me still like the imposter syndrome part of it is like who am I to be telling this story am I actually like a garbage writer and just nobody has told me yet you know mm -hmm. <laughs> because you don't, you're not gonna know until it's put out there and so some of it is like I have to have a level of trust in myself that like I haven't just been gaslighting myself into believing I can do this mm -hmm. um, but the other part of it is like <clears throat> you know, learning to adapt and adjust as you go. Uh, and as the feedback comes in, and like you were saying, get that thick skin, I'm working on it. But that's definitely been the scariest part is like putting it in front of real people and getting real interpretations and opinions. And hmm. you know. <laughs> Is this the first of this, this kind of show you've done? Yes. Okay, you're doing very well. <laughs> I was just going to ask about that. Should we scare her more by telling her that you'll never get over that? No, no, how many no, books you put it, out? It, 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 it's <laughs> perpetual. It's <laughs> like, even to this day, the scariest words you can tell me are, so I read your book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my stomach just dropped. <laughs> I was on, my nephew read one of my books and I was on his, he's got a Twitch uh, podcast. Oh, cool. Um, that they that they started up during the pandemic and been doing every week, and he and his partner had me on, <laughs> or he was he and his friend, had, and he didn't realize how much goes into writing. 
they want me back. But, you know, it was really funny to be interviewed by my nephew. <laughs> we played video games at his house when they were younger and, <laughs> and stuff. So. <laughs> Your brother to reading fatigue is a fast way to grow kids. Siblings. Yeah. yeah. Siblings will be yeah. honest. Don't, don't have your mom or dad read it because they're just going to placate oh, yeah. you. My mom well, had yeah. Actually, my <laughs> younger brother was the first person to read okay. my book. Um, mm -hmm. He was so wonderful about it, too, because he definitely gave me mm -hmm. like, honest opinions. Mm -hmm. um, but he, we also have like a very good relationship and he That's hyped good. me up through the whole thing. I don't know that I would have published it if he didn't read it first, because like he was like, you should definitely publish it. This is good. So it was mm -hmm. like, it was a very sweet, you know, like I'm glad that it went through him first because it, it gave me the confidence that I needed to actually put it out there. Oh, see, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's very good. Yeah. Criticism from like other people, you know, or the, the constructive mm. criticism, the harsh ones. <laughs> yeah. I started my, my out dad, on an online yeah. critiquing group and oh, yeah. it was almost anonymous. So the, you would critique stories you chose to critique and if your story was available to critique, people who had points could critique yours. So it was kind of a very anonymous system, which meant you got a lot of feedback. You did weed out the conflicting stuff, but it was blunt. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I came from. I got the, the blunt anonymous. And oh, I it knew, worked. Uh, yeah, I knew where all mine were coming from. That's the thing. And, you know, it, it, some of them were, were traditionally published authors in this group that, you know, were pretty harsh. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, I haven't done a full like writer's critique circle probably since college, but mm -hmm. I just, I don't know that I could do it online like that because even when you're face to face with these other people who also are writers and have come in with their own experiences, man, they can be like yeah. so ruthless, but also, you know, with college, you've got the people who are, it's 20 year olds who are like, I have, you know, I have the answers. My professor just told me what the best way to write is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had to tell you. <laughs> Academic writers are a total different breed. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> I can always tell the academic turned fiction author because they try so hard to sound authorly. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. those, those not authentic. Not authentic. Authorly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Use all those like, collegiate you, words. You know they had a thesaurus next to them while they were writing. <laughs> yes. Yes. That was that was unfortunately the way my aunt's book was when I read it. I was like, it was so pretentiously awful. Oh, no. I only read 10 pages and I called my dad. I said, I can't do this. Oh. <laughs> I can't do this, dad. <laughs> and, and she didn't like my critique. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. Well, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, pretentiousness always gets me because I, to me, I feel like books should be accessible. Yeah. You know? Like, and this has actually been a dialogue or like a discourse within like the TikTok writer community lately is mm -hmm. this accessibility of writing because there's this whole, they're purists who are like, everything that is newly published is trash and only the classics and only books that mirror the classics are good books. Uh, but 
like that's so subjective and rooted in elitism, right? Right. Exactly. And we forget that once upon a time, these books that are now the classics or, you know, what, what we study and, and model our writing after were once like popular books in their time. Right. And we're not in their time. Yeah. And right. Like Shakespeare's <laughs> plays were not classy plays back in the day. No, you know? they weren't. <laughs> It was like the, the epitome of like a trashy stage play. There's all kinds of weird sex jokes in it and stuff. Like, so we have to keep that in mind. And, and I don't know. That, that's one of those things that really gets to me. It's like, you're, you're yes, exactly. <laughs> you're absolutely right. And, and the elitism forgets that what a lot of people are doing is trying to make things sound legitimate, sound accurate, make these characters feel and read as real as possible on the page. And that's not perfectionism. Sorry. No, no. And, and, you know, a lot of, I mean, a lot of the classics are, are fairly dry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and fairly, you know, yeah, they use a lot of, Unneeded words. <laughs> I'm not going to try to say superfluous. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We can try to say that five times in a row. Um, Speaking you know, of grammar, to address the, the comment by mm -hmm. Tina, as language develops, the grammar rules have to change. So a yeah. lot of, of the what we call grammar Nazis are going off of older rules that have not either updated mm -hmm. or or the updates have not been accepted quite yet. Right. Yeah. But we run into right. a lot of issues. And there's a lot of, especially in English, there's a lot of conflicting things. And you have to pick and choose and just remain <clears throat> consistent with the rule that you pick and choose. Right. Right. Correct. Regional things. There's yeah. regional language. Yeah. Regional terms. <laughs> I mean, you know, I use the word shag. I love that. <laughs> in, in my books. And, and my editor came back and said, this is normally an Eng uh, English, England term. Did you mean it? Or did you mm -hmm. want to use something else? I said, yes, I meant it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it's like, I like to mix it up <laughs> a little bit, yep. you know? <laughs> and, and most people know, know the reference to it. So it's, it's, <laughs> and if they don't, they can look it up and it'll be a really fun learning experience for them. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly, Regine, yes. Exactly, as you learn in high school. And the thing is, like, you learn the rules so you can break the rules in the right way. Like, that's, that's just how it goes. And language is evolving as society evolves. So it's so strange to me that we're setting up these prescribed expectations for how something should sound or how we should be writing things when we write to mirror like what's happening around us and what's happening in society. And everything is always evolving. So our writing would evolve too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, the elitist divide between indie versus traditional is definitely fading. Mm -hmm. um, back when Jane, you and I started, there was still the scarlet letter. You know, mm -hmm. it was very much, oh, you're indie. And now, yeah. you know, as we're going more towards hybrid as a as a just a norm, 
people are accepting that, you know, right. it has a lot of merits and, and there's a lot of good right. authors that are now being able to find their voice and share their voice with the world that couldn't right. have done it before because traditional publishing is like you said, a numbers game. It's on spreadsheet. It's, it's going to fit into the budget. It's going to be profitable. It's a corporation that's yeah. running out of budget that has exactly. to be profitable. Sure. <laughs> it's you know, but like, so does Indy. And I, I'm really glad that it's being acknowledged. Like I, I saw something maybe earlier this week that Colleen Hoover has sold more copies of her most recent book than like the Bible this past year. <laughs> Wow. It was oh my gosh. Like mind blowing. That's an indie, that's an indie author who mm -hmm. is selling more copies of her book mm -hmm. than the Bible. So <laughs> the the lines between like oh indie and traditional are have definitely mm -hmm. crossed over because there's no argument that can be made for like you're going to be more successful if you go the traditional route because yeah. it's not necessarily true anymore. No, and and the and the advances are, you know, you have to earn them out. Gone. And, and Gone. yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, I I, Good I like getting one of those. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> it's only the elitists that look for who the publisher is. Most mm -hmm. people look at the cover art, they read the back cover and that's what they choose mm -hmm. To base their buy decision off of is yep. does it sound they like look something at the first like? page? Yeah, they look at the first page. If if they're at a physical store, it'd be nice to have our books in a physical store, mm -hmm. but but you know that's that's probably not so far off um, as we think. But yeah, <laughs> and with a lot of people buying online these days, the physical store has less prominence than it used right. to. Exactly, unless it has a Starbucks in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my wrist is bothering me. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I've, I don't think there's ever been a time where I looked at a book and went, "Oh, it's published by this company." I'm not gonna I don't even, I don't know if I even look at who publishes it. Most I look at the pretty cover. I don't. Is the thing is, like, if you're a reader, you're gonna read what you like. Yeah, yeah. and I'm a cover horse, so I look at the cover. <laughs> Yes, I mean it's the whole reason why I'm in the in the book thing. Yeah, the book that you showed us. That's yes. what I was like. I'm gonna add that to my list. It's got a gorgeous cover. Yeah. The designs on the pages. Are you? Oh, like, oh yeah, yeah. This, cool. yeah. This is this is a special edition through through um through the books box I'm in, Arcane Society book box. So, <laughs> and, and it has a, a, a sign-up list that's a mile long. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Rebecca says, we, we don't notice the pretty spine. I honestly know half the time no. I don't. No, I don't. I really it it don't. is the cover art. Mm -hmm. I've, I've walked by a, a bookstore, saw a cover that I liked, and went, oh, I'm going to buy that just because I saw a cover yeah, I like. Exactly. That's how I how I picked up Pestilence. I saw it online. It was my it still is my favorite cover that I've ever seen ever. And I normally don't one click. I think we and just broke to the Rebecca's cover. heart. Sorry, Rebecca. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, sweetheart. No. Covers are. I mean, like I know I don't know anyone that doesn't decide on if they're gonna buy a. I mean, there's obviously other factors, but yeah, it's not a good cover. Mm -hmm. And that was a that was a big deal for me whenever I was going through that process. We actually, 
I, I felt really bad for that part because my, the cover artist that uh, was working with me came back with these mm. really lovely covers, but it was like, no. I was not feeling it. And mm. so she came back and had a, like this, this beautiful typographic design. And I was like, that's the one, if I saw that in a bookstore, I would pick it up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, is that the one yeah. that we have the uh yes, with the here? sun and the gold so mm-hmm. that, that's final draft uh the first ones were much more um first draft was much more like sci-fi e okay. yeah which is cool you know but i i wanted to, i wanted the typographic covers i just think mm-hmm. they're so pretty so mm-hmm. yeah and again going back to what you get with traditional versus indie, you know, yeah. even an indie publisher, you have more of a dialogue. You have more of a hand in the creation of your product. Whereas, if you were with a a traditional big five publisher, they would say, "This is your cover design." Yeah, not what you think it is. And, and that's, like it was one of those moments where I was so thankful that I made the decision that I did because if they had come to me with those initial covers, they're fine, but I would have been so upset because I felt like my power would have been taken away but being able to go to my publisher and the designer and be like hey this isn't what I'm feeling can we try something else that was like I made the I made the right choice because it felt it feels like my book when I'm looking at it and I think if it had those other other covers it wouldn't feel that way to me you know what I mean because I didn't now to contrast that and we we have a previous episode where we discussed some of our cover mistakes Mm -hmm. sometimes Having that hand in designing your own cover is not always the best choice. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and I will make sure to link that episode in the show notes when uh, yeah. when I do yeah. those later today. But um, sometimes we have lofty ideas and we we see something and we think it's wonderful and it doesn't quite hit the market. Yeah, it's not on drama. I yeah. mean, you know, that's I, I, my eyes gotten much more on genre now. <laughs> um because I used to be sort of you know I don't know thought I knew what I liked mm-hmm. but it wasn't on genre yep. yeah it, I, it, I have know, a couple it, series where I've redone the covers yeah. more than once <clears throat> yep same here and and there are some that just need updates over time because when they were originally published this was hot mm-hmm. and now right. you know the market's changed and now we have to change are, based on trends it's like very it's very much a trend-centered mm-hmm design you know what you're, what you're doing there so yeah I haven't changed my FBI books since I got those newer covers from mm-hmm. Cora because they're they're more on they're um, evergreen they they seem yeah, to yeah yeah they're more on target with the FBI you know police procedural you know type thing you know along with the paranormal it doesn't really take a lot of the paranormal into a cover but it shows it's a an officer of some kind <laughs> going after something. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the others, uh, my game series, I think I've changed three times. I've got to find something right for that because it's more of a genre blend, which is. Okay. Yeah. And that's hard when it's a blended genre mm-hmm. to, to find what's going <clears> to <throat> spark both sides. Yeah. And it's not. To do that it's... with my asset series. As much mm-hmm. as I love the covers i i do wonder if it's not hitting the market the, right. the way it should even though i'm absolutely in love with them but again mm-hmm. that's what you take on being an indie you yeah. you project managing you're gonna make the decision mm-hmm. good or bad 
but you have the ability to make that decision. So right. yeah. there's some trial and error. Who knows? Maybe in a year I'll realize that it is not hitting where it's supposed to be hitting with the book covers that I have mm -hmm. and I'll have to change them, but we'll see. But you have the ability to do that. I right. Do. Yes, you do. You do. And, and your publishing company, you know, even though it's an indie one may come back and say, okay, you know, if it's not hitting the market, they might need to do some market research with you and say, okay, maybe the cover, maybe the wording and things like that. So, and right. again, with an indie publisher, you have the ability to dialogue with them. Yes. Cause they want to sell the book just as much as you do. So if, yes. if there's ways that you can make the book better selling, they're going to be more open to that and working with you on that. Right. right. They have a vested stake in it, which is, and that was also a huge thing for me was like, I feel, I feel like with hybrid, a lot of people assume that there's very little care that goes into it, that like you, you sign on with this company and they like just throw your book into a Epson printer and then like oh. dump it on the back of a truck or something. <laughs> That's what hybrid is. But it's so not like that. It is, right. you know, it's, they are small indie publishers. So they mm -hmm. have invested interest in putting out great work. You right. Know, <clears throat> business model to just push out shitty books and hope that like right. money so that and like I've seen that reflected in my experiences like the the publishers invested the editors have been excellent and everyone is working with me to like kind of subscribe to what my vision is for the book but they're putting in their own thought and their own time as well right you know we hope oh, that absolutely that's what's attracting people towards this model of publishing mm -hmm. versus the, you know, the old model of just going after the big five is mm -hmm. you want to have that dialogue. You want to have that relationship with the, the company that's putting your book out, or you want to handle it yourself so that you can make it exactly what you want. Yeah. Right. And the books Absolutely. that come out of, of small and indie press are standing up next to the traditionally published books and, and holding their own. Right. You know, there's the few outliers that are, are not so great, but for the majority mm -hmm. of them over the last 10 or so years, this, the step up in quality has <clears> been <throat> noticeable and yeah. they are just as good. And again, like we said, it's getting that voice that may not have been able to get out there before out into the open. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's empowering a lot of writers, you know, cause like one of the biggest complaints in, at least with traditional publishing in the past decade or so has been like lack of diversity. You're not seeing, uh, you're not seeing, you know, non-white cis straight authors getting the same amount of publicity or or visibility in publishing that you do otherwise. And with indie, it's giving those people a chance and a voice and that, like an equal stake in publishing where they haven't had that before. And I think that's what I love about it the most is you're the people who would not have been able to get published otherwise are now able to do that. Right. Yeah. The market's right. constantly changing and that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Yet Hollywood has, I mean, there with all of the pick of, of all of these books that are out there by indie authors, Hollywood is still turning out the old, you know, sequels and sequels and, and redoing yeah. old movies. It's like, stop, there's so much good stuff out there. Pick something new and exciting and, and daring. 
That's the problem with the big companies, though. Yes. It's all budgeting. It's all spreadsheets. Yes. It's what do we all know works. Yes. What do we know that's going to make the risk? Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm, I'm starting to enjoy Netflix and Amazon Prime, because they put out more edgier things. Yeah. That, that are different, mm-hmm. you know, rather than the old bland yeah, learning of Hollywood. <laughs> sometimes it shows that like it's different and not well received. There's been a lot of those on Netflix, but then there's yeah. some like standouts that are really wonderful. So. Right, exactly. Netflix makes some weird decisions though. Like a show will come out, get a great first season, and then disappear forever. Yes. <sighs> well, it could it 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 could have had a great first first season, but nobody watched it during the season. During the that's, first that's few the days. The problem with streaming is it's, yes. it's a la carte. It's when you have the time to. And a lot of people will wait until their schedule opens up so they can binge that whole season in a weekend right. or whatever. Right. It's not the same as, you know, the old Nielsen ratings where when it came out that night, that's what we're measuring off yeah. of. Yeah. So they have to change the way they take their metrics because, you yeah. know, it might take me a couple of months to get to a show because I just don't have the time to invest in it. Right. And when I get to it, I want to be able to watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Because we've gotten to the, I want it now instead of, you know, most of the. Netflix is for that, though. <laughs> <laughs> I want it now instead of letting week to week to week to build the anticipation. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, we grew up with that, you know, having to wait for the next yes. episode. That, and having that to wait for the commercials. <laughs> Instead and, of fast forwarding, and now we're like, damn it, I need it all now. So funny because, um, you know, like HBO Max still does that model with their shows, and I was thinking about this just the other day because I've been watching uh, White Lotus. I don't know if you guys have seen that one, but yeah, it's a wonderful that. show. If you haven't seen it and you have HBO Max, highly recommend. But it only is one episode at a time, and I was so frustrated because the new season came out. And I was like, ready to watch it, ready to binge the whole thing. There was one episode. Why? But it's, you know, it's definitely like that. I want it now mentality is just pervasive. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, mean, we used to hate commercials, but in our time, that was the time you had to run the bathroom. You had to go food and all that. And somebody would yell, it's back out. And you'd run back now it's like you blink and you haven't moved from your couch in seven hours because it just keeps going. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it does ask every three shows if you're still watching. Yes, <laughs> it does. <laughs> and then we feel judged. Yes, up. I'm still watching. Yes. <laughs> it's like cable now if you're watching TV, you know, like like the football span on Sunday, halfway through, it's like, are you still watching? And if you don't catch it, it goes off on you. <laughs> but yes. They they did this to us and, and they should know that their metrics need to reflect that. It's never going to be, mm-hmm. you know, an opening night kind of thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be when people, their schedule is allowing yes, for them to do exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Even, even network TV has gotten a little bit better with that. You know, because they know, okay, they're going to watch on the streaming the next day or whatever, because they offer it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> that all should count. Yeah. <laughs> but for how long? Right. Like, for how long does it count? It, it is but, disappointing, though, to see so mm-hmm. many shows on Netflix do the one season run 
have a lot of potential and then just not get renewed. Mm-hmm. Devastating. <laughs> yeah. But at least, like you said, though, they they are looking at indies. They are looking at unique stories, different yeah. voices. They're they're giving a shot at seeing if those things can be profitable. Whereas traditional Hollywood is still stuck on remakes and yeah. nostalgia plays and Hocus Pocus too. That one just came out. That was right. a Disney. Yeah. And it was definitely a nostalgia play. Okay. It wasn't as it. horrible of a nostalgia play as other ones yeah. that I've seen. But you mm-hmm. can definitely tell that's what they're doing. They're just banking on our love of the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and and yeah, I'm watching all this stuff and I'm like all the movies and things. I'm like, yeah, no. Well, it gets so tiring because you also feel like you're being pandered to. Mm-hmm. You know, like so often they're they're banking <clears throat> on like, oh, you loved this one and now you're going to keep watching. And I've, with a lot of stuff, have been just been like, I know that you're just doing this to, to get my money. And I feel right. like, I, I feel mm-hmm. it, you know? Well, it's authentic. I mean, you go back and you've got Star Wars, you've got Indiana Jones, you have, you know, a whole bunch of other new on the edge things that they did. Yeah. And I haven't seen any new on the edge things, I think, in, uh, since Inception. That oh, Interstellar was pretty good. I and like yeah, it's mentioned in my book. It's there's it's a reference. That's how like, <laughs> it's so important to me. <laughs> like 16 or something. It's in yeah. my book. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> but you know, I can't think of anything stellar. I mean, outside, I mean, Marvel movies is just a whole franchise oh, of things. Even they're they're at the churn and burn stage. Yeah, and it's yeah, exactly. Um, but that one was outside the box. Mm-hmm. Both of those were outside the box, and I liked that. <laughs> it, the Expanse, which was based off a book series, that mm-hmm. was a great sci-fi <clears throat> television show. I loved what they did with it, and even that one struggled for a while and got mm-hmm. ported over to different networks to be saved, mm-hmm. and still didn't run the full series. I, I think it mm-hmm. stopped after was it five or six? I can't remember now, but. That one was a unique take on sci-fi, a more realistic mm-hmm. version of our future. I liked that. I liked how they blended those sci-fi elements with, with some realism. Mm-hmm. And and that one struggled for a bit, too. Yep. Yeah. So. <laughs> but we need the- more. We need more. Regine says old white men. Let me correct that. Old white men who wear socks with sandals decide <laughs> what's <Yes>. good. <laughs> yes, they shouldn't. <laughs> Don't die off too much. What we're all saying is that we're just so tired of old white men making all the decisions. Let's yes. come on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. yes. What a, what a good ending voting. point for our show tonight. <laughs> Get edgy, people. Get edgy. <laughs> Try something new. Yes. <laughs> Right. All right. Well, before we go, since we are at the end of our hour here, Melissa, tell us when the book's coming out, where we can find it, yes. and uh, any place that we can find you online, too. Wonderful. So uh, the book is coming out February the 22nd. So in a little less than four months now, I believe, if I'm doing that math correctly, mm-hmm. uh, you can 
pre-order it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Um, and I also have a free prequel that's available when you join my newsletter. And that's also where I give all of the updates about what's going on with the book or events that I'm doing around it. Um, so if you go to my website, you can uh, join my newsletter, get the free prequel and, uh, you know, just get excited for when it comes out on the 22nd. I have, uh, as I mentioned, I'm on TikTok at Melissa E. Day and Instagram at Melissa E. Day. So it's all consistent and easy to find. And we'll make sure your links are in the show notes below. So after, for anybody who's watching this after the fact, check right. the show notes and you'll be able to find her links as well. Jane, anything you've got coming before uh, um, tonight? Not that I can release yet because I don't have all the details, but I'm going to be in a fantasy set that uh, Pack Magic will be in in January, I believe it is. So I'm waiting for all the details. Awesome. So, awesome. Yes. Yay. Cool deal. All right. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for hanging out with us. It's been so much fun chatting with you and, and we wish you luck with the new book. Definitely have to come back and tell us how the release goes next year. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Thank yeah. you. And uh, we are, I think, off for the next two weeks um, and then so. we'll be back in December. Yes. So uh, for those, happy Thanksgiving for those of you who will be celebrating while we're off and we will see you guys in December. Thanks again for hanging out. Thank you.